tonight we're going to finish up the judges of Israel. Uh, so this is the part, uh, part 26. So it took me 26 messages to get through it. Uh, I just simply titled it The End of Judges. Uh, I didn't have anything clever this time around, so I just went with The End of Judges. Uh, so uh, we're going to look at the last two judges and why I've included them in this last message of this study of judges. Uh, we'll be looking at Eli and Samuel tonight. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time on these two, a little bit more on Eli than Samuel. Uh, I really feel like uh, that at least Samuel could be a series all on its own. Uh, so I didn't want to just try to blow through all of his life in one week or two weeks and, and do that. So we're just going to quickly uh, just uh, talk about Samuel for just a couple minutes tonight. We'll spend a little bit of time with Eli and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about the conclusion of this study. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to look at Eli as judge. And uh, I've included them because of Acts 13, verse 20, it says, And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. Uh, so Eli comes before Samuel. And so uh, Eli is included and Samuel is also included in the judges. Uh, Eli is one of the judges of Israel. Eli was also a priest. The Bible calls Eli a priest. Uh, if you want to, you can turn to 1 Samuel. We'll be in 1 Samuel tonight. Um, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Uh, maybe even chapter 4 a little bit. But uh, that's what we'll be tonight, 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. So the Bible here calls Eli a priest. And we know that. We know Eli is a priest. Uh, the Bible also calls Eli a judge. First Samuel 4.18, it says, He, that is Eli, had judged Israel 40 years. Uh, so we know that Eli should be included on our list of judges of Israel because the Bible says he's a priest and a judge. Uh, so I just want to do an overview of Eli's life. We'll spend a little bit of time looking at Eli tonight. Uh, Eli, uh, I'm just going to look at a few events that happened throughout his time that's recorded for us. The first one is that Eli was present when a distraught woman needed some guidance. Uh, Eli was present when a distraught woman needed some guidance. So look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, verse 16. It says, Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. Uh, so Eli is here, and we know this is Hannah, who uh, eventually gets uh, to be the mother of a wonderful baby boy named Samuel. And Hannah was in grief in this moment, though. This is before uh, she is not able to get pregnant. She's just, uh, it's a terrible time for her. She's very upset about it. It's a tough situation for her. And Eli comes along, and he gives her some guidance from the Lord. Uh, Eli comes and he listens uh, to what she has to say. He did, uh, if you read the whole passage, he first makes an assumption about her. He thought that she was babbling uh, because she wasn't sober. But uh, he then does listen as she speaks to him and, and tells him, hey, I'm just really upset. Uh, 
And so he listens to that. Uh, and then Eli, after he listens, he gives her good godly counsel. He gives her guidance from the Lord. Uh, verse 17, there is the answer that Eli gave to Hannah for a message from God. Uh, Eli serves God in the way of being a messenger for God. Uh, and we can know that that is God's message for two facts. Uh, first, he never actually heard what her uh, prayer was about. He listened to her and how she said that she was uh, in grief, she was upset, uh, but she did not say, I'm praying over having a child. Uh, she was praying in her head and the words did not come out. You can see in verse 13 uh, that he didn't hear her say those words. Uh, he thought she wasn't sober. Uh, the second fact that we can know that it's a message from God is because it was true. It happened just as God said it would, uh, and he used Eli to tell Hannah that that is what was going to happen. Uh, God said that she would have a baby just as she uh, had asked for a baby, and God allowed it to happen that way. Uh, we see Eli being obedient to God in his service and calling uh, that God had on him and the result of it here. Look at verse 18. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord. Uh, Eli was able to help this woman because he was obedient and serving God. His obedience then led to Hannah and her husband worshiping God. They got closer to God and was right with God because Eli was obedient to the calling in his life. Uh, so we need to make sure that uh, our disobedience doesn't get in the way of others being able to get closer to God or meeting God or finding uh, salvation. Uh, but this is just one part of Eli's life. Let's keep looking. The second uh, situation I want to take a look at is that Eli worshipped God when given a huge responsibility. Sometimes people run from responsibility. Uh, sometimes uh, if I don't have to be responsible in a situation, I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll let someone else make the decisions and I'll just go with it. And then they're, you know, it's their thing, not my thing. Uh, but, you know, sometimes God wants us to have some responsibilities. Look at verse 28, First uh, Samuel chapter 1, verse 28. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Uh, we have Eli here, and he's just trying to serve God, and he's uh, trying to be obedient to God. And all of a sudden God says, well, here's this child. Uh, I know it's not your child, but here's a child, and, and now you have to be responsible for him, you have to raise him up, and you have to train him to serve me. Uh, now, I would probably run from this situation. If someone knocked on my door and said, hey, here's this child, it's yours now, I'd probably close the door, lock it, and, and go inside and sit down and just pretend it never ever happened. And uh, hopefully she just goes away, you know. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that's not God's plan. Sometimes God has something planned for us that's really big. Uh, this is uh, what we do sometimes. We, we, we kind of close the door sometimes when God is knocking on our door with some type of service. Uh, God might be knocking on our door uh, to teach the Bible to somebody. Uh, and we say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I, I'm, I don't know it well enough or, or whatever. Or some, God might be knocking on our door to tell others about God. He might be knocking on our door to lead in prayer. 
Uh, maybe come to visitation or any of the outreach opportunities. Uh, there's something that God might be knocking on your door asking you to do. And are we willing to answer? Uh, are we willing to listen and obey or do we just close the door and go about our day? Uh, Eli listened. Eli worshiped God because of the opportunity God gave him. Uh, Eli also was able to see the full work of God here. He heard, uh, uh, he met Hannah in the beginning here, and, and she wasn't able to get pregnant, and uh, she was all upset about it, and God spoke through Eli and was able to tell her that, hey, this is going to come to pass. And now it's come to pass, and she's come back. He's got to see every step of the way. That would be amazing. That's just awesome how that worked out for him, and he's worshiping God. Uh, next, we have uh, Eli faithfully serves God in raising and training Samuel, And that's one of the most important things uh, if you are responsible for a child uh, to raise them in God. Uh, that cannot be made uh, bold enough for us. If we had uh, all the parents in the world doing that more, how much better would the world be? Uh, take a, a look at 1 Samuel chapter 3 and look at verse 1 there. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Uh, Eli was training him how to serve the Lord. Now skip down to verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Samuel grew up in an environment that allowed him to be close to God. Uh, Eli must have lived a life that was honest and faithful to God. Uh, he must have also had a true love for God uh, that Samuel was able to witness on a daily basis. Uh, this is the best way to raise a child uh, to love God and to stay close to God yourself and then train the child to do the same. Uh, I've seen uh, men in the ministry and I've seen their families and I've seen uh, men serve and you can see that they truly are in love with God. And they're in love with serving God. And they're just so excited and happy to be used by God. You can see it in all of their family. You can see their children love God. Their children want to serve God. Uh, and I've also seen men in the ministry uh, who seem to just be doing it. And you don't see all that love. And, and, and it's good that they're being obedient, uh, but you don't see that love. And things just turn out a little bit different in their families and in their children as they grow up. Uh, but I, my point is, if you truly love God and you're serving Him out of the, the great amount of love you have for Him and for serving Him, your children would see that. Uh, and, and it will make a difference in their lives. Uh, next, Eli uh, also gives the right advice to Samuel. Look at chapter 3, verse 8. It says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Uh, so this is really the best advice you could ever give anyone in any situation ever. Uh, the advice is first to wait on the Lord. He told Samuel, uh, just go back and, and, and just wait and listen and see if you can hear the Lord. And, and if he calls to you, his second piece of advice is answer the call. 
Answer the Lord. If we do these, these two things in every single situation in our lives, we will be so much closer to what God has planned for us to be. Uh, we need to first wait on the Lord. Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, wait doesn't mean uh, to just lay around. It doesn't mean sleep until noon. It doesn't mean uh, once you wake up, go sit on the couch for a couple hours. And then when you're bored on the couch, go and sit in your nice comfy chair for a while uh, and then go back to bed and just do it all again the next day. That's not what wait means. It doesn't mean just sit around. Uh, what wait means is to stay busy, to, to continue doing what you already know to do and keep doing the same thing, taking those same steps and staying faithful to God in, in the things that he's already shown you to do. And, and what wait also means is don't force the next step to happen. Allow God to work in your life. Allow God to direct your steps. Uh, and I know that that's tough uh, because I just want to go out and do things. You know, I just want I just want things done. You know, I, I want, you know, God, if God told me, uh, you know, to uh, get 100 people in this church, I'd want to run out the doors and just grab 100, the next 100 people I felt uh, seen and just drag them in here. That's what I'd want to do. But that may not be God's plan. Probably isn't. Uh, that's also uh, probably illegal, but, but that's what I want to do. I just want to go out and do it. I want to get it done. I don't want to just uh, I, I don't want to just sit there. But sitting there is part of the process. Sometimes, as long as we are continuing to do what God has already told us to do, we need to wait on God, stay faithful on the things that He has told us to do, and then He will call on us. And that part is just as hard. The first step, I think, is tough. Uh, waiting for God to direct the next step, uh, staying faithful at what you're already doing, that's kind of tough, but answering the call is also tough. Uh, we must be willing to serve God in any way He asks. Uh, when He reveals His will for our service, we need to be willing to say, Yes, Lord, I will go. Yes, Lord, I will do. Whatever it is you want me to do, God, I will do it. I remember when God called me to preach and I was sitting during that whole service and it was like the heaviest load of bricks you could have ever put on your shoulders. And I'm just sitting out there in the pew and I got all this weight on me and the altar call comes and I'm like, okay, if the building catches on fire, I wouldn't have to go forward. You know, I'm just all these things going through my mind. I want anything to happen so I don't have to go forward. And we get to the last verse and, and for whatever reason, the pastor says, I'm going to give it one more verse. I'm like, no, I was that close, you know. I just wanted, I wanted to get out of it. I didn't want to answer the call. and I couldn't avoid it then. Uh, so I went up and I uh, answered the call and then I didn't tell nobody. I didn't want nobody to know. And I eventually did tell. Uh, and I, I was 16 at the time and I thought, well, at least that's like going to happen way down the road. I don't have to worry about it, you know. Uh, but I answered the call. I said, God, I, I'm willing to do this, but I'm going to need a whole lot of help along the way to be able to do it. Now, one last thing I want to talk about with Eli is that his children did not follow in the ways of the Lord. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. They were wicked. They did not follow in, in Eli's steps. And Eli raised these sons, and he also raised Samuel. And Samuel stayed close to the Lord. Uh, but Eli's sons, they did not care of the ways of God. They 
they use their position to profit from God. Uh, they even caused other believers, if you read through this chapter 2 here, they caused other believers to not even want to worship God anymore. They didn't want to go and, and do the sacrifices anymore because of the wickedness of these two sons of Eli. Uh, later in this chapter, we're told of more wickedness that they do uh, in using their position. And then Eli tries to correct his sons. Look at chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man's sin against if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. So even though Eli does try to correct his sons, they, they didn't listen. And to me, it seems like that it was probably just a little bit too late. Uh, we're not really told if Eli did anything along the way to cause his sons to be wicked. Uh, there's theories. I have my own opinions, but I don't want to speculate. But I would say that this is after his sons have already been serving and already done a whole bunch of wicked things. They're grown at this point uh, and and. Now we see that now he goes and tries to correct them and they won't listen anymore. Uh, it shows us the importance of correcting the wrong in our children's life and young people's lives very early on. Uh, people uh, have all kinds of theories on whether or not you spank a baby and all that kind of stuff, but you're setting some kind of principle in that young person's life. Uh, Eli seemed to wait way too long and then his sons were fully engulfed in their wicked, sinful lives, and they did not care about the ways of God anymore. And they were unreachable at that point. Uh, we need to get to our kids early. Uh, however that is, whatever uh, you got to do to be able to get to them, if you can bring them to church, bring them to church. Uh, if you have the opportunity to read the Bible to them, read the Bible to them, pray with them. Whatever you can do to, to get them closer to God as often as you can, that's what you need to do because we need to get to our kids early because... The devil will if we don't. Uh, if you have young people in your family, whether it's your own kids, whether it's grandkids or nieces or nephews, whoever it is, there are probably some young people in your family somewhere. Uh, get them to God as early as you can and as consistently as you can to show them the ways of God over and over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, we need to get to our children and get them to God as early as we can and as consistently as we can. Now, that will give them the best chance at having a life that is pleasing to God. And that is probably all of our desires for the young people in our families. Now, Eli, he dies at 98 years old and he served God as judge for 40 years. Uh, Eli served God all his life and he dies with sons that were wicked and they never got their lives right with God. And that even played a role in his death as well. Now, on a positive note, though, Eli played a huge role in the life of Samuel, who went on to be a servant of God. And so after Eli comes Samuel. So I'm just going to talk about Samuel for just a couple minutes here. Uh, Samuel was judge of Israel. And uh, he judged for about a 12-year period of time before the, judge, uh, before the kings took place. And, and uh, so 
one thing I want to point out, I'm just going to point one thing out about the life of Samuel tonight. And again, like I said, it should really be a study all of its own uh, on Samuel. But one thing about Samuel is that he accepted the call from God. God called him and he accepted it. Uh, Samuel was willing to do anything that God had him to do. Uh, God was able to use Samuel in many ways throughout his, his entire life because of his obedience. Uh, God even used Samuel to handle the tra- transition from judges to kings. Uh, and Samuel is used in the first king, that's Saul, in his life uh, to try to keep him on God's path. Uh, Samuel ends the time of the uh, judges of Israel. That time frame ends with Samuel. Uh, but Samuel's time does overlap into the kings, so he lives uh, so many, I can't remember exactly how many years through the life of, uh, or into the time of kings. So our study of Judges ends with Samuel. Uh, but I want to go over the timeline of Samuel. So I have a timeline. Can you have some one of the kids or whatever pass that out? Everybody's going to get a timeline. Looks like that, if you can see it from that far away. But you'll get one in your hands. Uh, so I'm just going to read through this with you just quickly. Um, I wanted to kind of get this to you like earlier, but I was actually doing it as we went through this study. So um, you'll see all the people that we studied in here. And uh, I just thought it would be fun to start with creation. So that's what I did. I started with creation. I figured God started with creation in Genesis. I'm just going to start with creation too. So... Uh, so that, but that kind of gives you a little bit of a time frame of how long until the judges took place. Uh, and then you see at the end there, there's the time of kings. Uh, so we have creation and the flood and Abraham, the exodus, the 40 years in the wilderness. And then at the bottom of that first column, now this column, it snakes around. So that hopefully that doesn't trick you. Uh, so dividing of the land is at the bottom of the first column. And uh, you see a, a year there, 1405 B.C., now, these dates are all just uh, approximate. There are different theories on when this time actually was. Uh, and, and we're talking even a 100 years different from this. Uh, so this is just the theory that I thought was the most likely, so I went with it. Uh, but the, the amount of years you see under all these uh, oppressions and these judges, those are exactly what the book of Judges tells us. Uh, so those years are accurate, but the dates are um, approximate. So after the dividing of the land, that's when in Acts chapter 13 it says that the time of the judges starts. Uh, so, But that starts with the oppression of Mesopotamia. That's eight years. And then we went and uh, started our study on Othniel, and he judged for 40 years. Then we had oppression of King of Eglon, King of Moab, for 18 years. Then we had Ehud, he judged for 80 years. Shamgar, uh, we went over him just briefly, uh, and his timeline, or his time of judge is not known exact, and it's also believed that he overlapped, uh, Ehud, uh, but again, we don't know f- for certain there. Um, then we have the oppression of, uh, Jabin, king of Canaan, for 20 years. That leads into Deborah being judge and Barak being with her to, to help her for 40 years there. Then we have oppression of Midian for seven years. Gideon then judges for 40 years. Abimelech there, uh, I insert him in there. Uh, you know, you could 
cross them out or delete them if you'd like. But uh, he kind of uh, reigned for three years. We know he wasn't really a judge. He wasn't uh, even a king. He was just kind of inserted in place there for three years, and it was a terrible time for Israel. After that, we have Tola. He judges for 23 years. Jair judges for 22 years. Then we have Philistine and Ammonite oppression for 18 years. Uh, Jephthah judges for six years, Ibzan for seven, Elon for ten years, Abdon judged for eight years. Then we had Philistine oppression for 40 years. Then Samson judged for 20 years, Eli uh, judge and priest for 40 years, and then Samuel for 12 years. Now that doesn't mean uh, that he died. Uh, like I said, he over his lifetime overlaps the time of the kings. Uh, so he judged for 12 years, and then Saul was made king after that 12th year. And then at the bottom, it just simply says that the dates are approximate. I explained that to you. Uh, the, the exact timeline of judges, I would have loved to give you the exact dates for all of this. I, I love that kind of stuff, so I would have thought it would be amazing. But it's, it's really impossible to figure out. Not all of the information is given. Um, so in, in, in all reality, for all practicality, it doesn't change anything for us anyways. Uh, but this information was gathered from Acts 13 and from the book of Judges and a few other places as well. Uh, so that's just for you to keep. Um, if you ever want to know how long someone judged for, you have it all written down right there for you. Now, I just have one last thing I want to cover tonight. And it's just a couple, uh, three last pieces of practical information from the time of Judges. Uh, sometimes with Old Testament topics like judges, we kind of question why we would spend so much time on this topic, might think uh, why we would uh, consider this time of judges and preach on it for almost half a year. Uh, but I'm going to go over a few, an- few things that will answer those questions for you, uh, give us some practical information we can use. And I know we've already gotten a lot along the way as well, at least I have. So, uh, But we have a few more things here. First uh, piece of uh, practical information on reason why we should study the judges of Israel is because oppression will come. Uh, we covered this over the last 26 messages, uh, but you can look at that handout and you can see that there's not just one time of oppression on there or two times of oppression. It wasn't just a brief moment in history. There were six periods of time of oppression on that page uh, that the children of Israel had to endure. Uh, that totals uh, 111 years of oppression. And so it was not just a quick event. It didn't just happen one time during just one generation and then it was over. Now, 111 years of uh, oppression was spread out over about a 400-year period. Uh, this means that you, if you lived in that time, would have to endure oppression and your children would have to, and your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, you could keep going for a bunch more generations. Uh, one thing I want to point out about this oppression is nearly all of it came because of bad choices that were made by God's people. Uh, they were being um, punished for leaving God, basically. Bad choices cause bad circumstances. Our decisions will have consequences. We can cause our own life to be way harder than it needs to be just by making bad decisions. Uh, We can avoid all of that kind of oppression by making sure we make good decisions. And that is only possible if we check all of our decisions with the Word of God. Uh, Sometimes oppression will come because of our bad decisions. 
but also sometimes oppression will come at no fault of our own. Sometimes oppression comes in a way of maybe a test or a trial, and we can prove our faithfulness and our dedication to God by staying strong during that kind of oppression. Uh, we might also face oppression from Satan uh, that really is no fault of our own. It's just Satan attacking. Uh, we think of Job, and he had to face that kind of oppression. We may not be doing anything wrong to cause oppression sometimes. In fact, maybe we're doing everything right or most things perfectly right. And, and according to God's plan, but because of Satan and him trying to stop the work of God, maybe because we're doing things right, maybe we're being oppressed because of that. Now, kind of give you a personal thing here. Uh, online, I have just felt led to try to share the gospel a whole lot more than I ever did before. And, and I really think back and I think, why was I not sharing the gospel online before? Uh, so I'm on Facebook uh, a little bit, probably more than I should be. And uh, so I decided I'm going to start telling them about Jesus and, and things in the Bible. And I'm going to put on there about how to get saved and what happens if you don't get saved and where you're going to go. I proclaim the gospel online. I've been kind of doing it kind of heavy over the last couple of weeks. But there's been some negativity that has come along with that. Uh, some pushback, some hatefulness, uh, some some unsaved lost souls that just don't like hearing it. And and they just uh, push back and they try to stop you and and try to uh, say things to to hurt you or whatever it is. And sometimes that's just Satan trying to dis- to stop me, trying to discourage me from telling others about Jesus because he doesn't want the message out there. He doesn't want the lost to hear about Jesus. He doesn't want them to have a relationship with God. Uh, so sometimes it's just Satan trying to stop you. And that's where the oppression comes from. Uh, studying the time of Judges helps us to see that oppression will come in the life of a child of God. Uh, just like it did in the Old Testament and these Judges. Uh, and, and we could study all the times in the New Testament that the children of God are, were oppressed. Uh, we too, if, we're, if you are a child of God, you can and you probably will face some oppression. And we've seen in our study that the answer of these times of oppression is Go to God. Uh, If the oppression is because of a bad choice, then we need to make things right. Uh, If it's not because of a bad choice, go to God anyways. Uh, Walk with God and He will be your strength. He will be your shield. He will be your guide. And He'll help you through that time of oppression, no matter what the reason for the oppression is. Uh, The second reason to study the time of judges is leadership is important. Uh, the time that Israel had no leader or judge, what happened? They walked away from God. Uh, they stopped caring about the things of God. They did whatever selfish things that they desired to do. They placed other things above God because they had no leader, no one to lead them in following God. Uh, this can happen to us if we don't have a leader also. Uh, we need and, and I need to have a good godly leader in my life to set good examples for, for me, to help motivate me to keep going. Uh, we need a leader for this church here, all of us here, that we can stay right with God and, and stay right in God's eyes and stay faithful to the service of God. And, and I praise God that we do have that leader here. Very thankful for our pastor and our leader here. Uh, leaders will encourage us to serve God, uh, to keep us uh, to help us keep serving God. Leaders will go to battle with us. 
we, if we try to go out alone, if you try to go to war alone without a leader, it's going to be chaos. It's not going to end well. Uh, but if you have a leader that's going to battle with you, and we need to go out and battle out here in the lost world and win some souls for God, and we have a leader that will go out with us and battle with us uh, so that we can win the lost to Christ. Uh, this is also why we're praying so much for a youth leader in our church. Our teens need a good, godly leader, someone that will influence them in the right way and to do the things of the Lord, someone that's dedicated to them uh, and their relationship with God, someone that's uh, going to go out and try to get more of those uh, lost teenagers out there uh, or even the Christian teenagers that need someone to, to motivate them and help them and guide them in their relationship with God and guide them on the path they have for them. That's why we're praying for a youth leader here. Leaders are important. Uh, we've seen that throughout all of Judges. We've seen what happens when they have no leader. Uh, we see what happens uh, when they have a leader that is not following the ways of God as well. Leaders are important. Uh, third and last for tonight, a good reason to study the time of Judges is because we can be just like Israel at times. Uh, we're talking about in the Old Testament here, and Israel walked away from God so many times uh, in the book of Judges specifically. Uh, they served false gods. They forgot all about the ways of God. They lived a self-centered life at time. And we can be just like that. Uh, we can be just like Israel during this time of Judges when we don't do our devotions. Uh, and this is very um, um, elementary kind of stuff here, but it's so important. How many days go by uh, and, and, and we skip it or, or we push it off and, and try to get to it later? Uh, if we're honest, the days that we don't spend quality time with God, time devoted to God, those days are days that we were just a little too selfish to give God our time. Uh, we put other things in front of God. We, we looked at how Israel served false gods on occasions here. And sometimes we do that too. We may not bow down and worship to it. But if we are watching a couple hours of TV and we haven't spent any time with God today, then we're, we're serving that false god of TV. Uh, being online or social media or watching too much YouTube uh, or even just relaxing, just laying around, uh, just we're being selfish and trying to spend our time on our own uh, flesh's desires instead of giving our time to God. And it would be much better spent with God anyways. Uh, we can be just like Israel during the time of Judges when we don't come to church. And I know you guys are all here tonight. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but sometimes uh, we might make some excuses and not come. Uh, when Israel did not have a judge, they stopped doing the things of God. Uh, they stopped meeting with God. There are eight verses in the book of Judges that tell us that Israel left God and did evil in their own sight. And two times uh, we are told uh, the phrase, they did that which was right in their own eyes, which is the same thing. They've left God and they don't care about the things of God anymore. And we can be just like Israel when we don't show up to God's house. God is here every single service waiting for us. Uh, God is standing at that door looking for your car to pull in the parking lot and for you to come in here and sit down and meet with Him. When we don't show up, God sees that. Uh, we are no better than Israel when they left God when we don't show up to meet with God. Uh, now, sure, we'll return again. We'll eventually come back uh, when it's more convenient for us, when it fits into the schedule just perfectly right. Uh, we come back. 
But that's just like Israel. They left God and they returned many times uh, in their time of judges as well. We need to make sure uh, that we are looking and trying to meet with God every chance we get. We can also, last thing tonight, we can also be just like Israel during this time of judges when we don't listen to the preaching. Now, I thought it was interesting that Tim Clink, I wrote this uh, the other day, uh, and I didn't know that Tim Clink was going to say practically the same exact thing during Sunday school this morning. Uh, you can be here and not listen. Uh, this is just as bad as not showing up at all. If we don't listen to the message from God, then why are we even here? Uh, God desires not just to see us in his house. And, and I'm glad if you're here, but if you're not listening, you're, you're only doing half of it. God desires to speak to us. God doesn't want to just see us. He wants to speak to us. Uh, we need to make sure that we're not letting our minds wander. Uh, we need to make sure that we keep our minds on the message from God. We need to make sure that we stay awake. And, and we need to make sure that we stay focused on God the whole time so that we can hear the message that God has for us. Uh, just like if we're not here, we'll miss God's message for us. If we're not paying attention, if we're thinking about something else, whatever it is, we're going to miss that message from God. Amen. We need to make sure that we're not like Israel during this time of Judges. There was uh, way too many times that they did not care about the message of God or what God wanted them to do. We need to listen for God to speak to us. If we keep our eyes on God and we make sure that we have a leader picked by God, and I praise God we do, uh, then we can be sure to be able to continue to do the work of the Lord. Uh, we just need to keep our focus on God and follow Him. Uh, the book of Judges has a lot to teach, uh, but one thing I see is that we all will have times to be a spiritual leader. There's going to be a time in each of our lives, no matter how long you've been saved or what you know, there's going to be a time where you are the spiritual leader in the room. Uh, you're going to be with people where you're going to be able to be a spiritual leader to them. We're also going to have times where we need to follow a spiritual leader as well. Uh, if we do our best in those two areas, then we will be way better off than when we have no leader. If God is calling you to be a leader... Uh, or you just happen to be in a place or a position of having to be the leader, answer the call. Uh, let God work through you. Be the leader according to God's plan. Amen. If you're not the leader, that's fine too. That As long as it's part of God's plan, if you're not the leader, find the leader. Follow the leader and keep serving the Lord. Amen. Let's pray.